Good morning, church family. I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and join me once again in Acts chapter 20. We're going to finish out this chapter this morning in a message entitled, A Purposeful Goodbye. No one likes goodbyes, and this is not a setup to tell you that I'm leaving. I'm going nowhere. You're stuck with me for the next 30 years, church. So, But what we're going to see in the text this morning is Paul saying goodbye to a group of pastors from Ephesus, a group of pastors that he dearly loved, a city that he had spent several years in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, encouraging them to, to trust Jesus as their Savior and then make an impact in their community. And so what we're going to see in the text this morning is Paul calling those pastors together and saying to them, it's time for me to go. So what we're going to see Paul do is reminisce about his ministry there in Ephesus and then look forward to his future ministry as he heads to Jerusalem and then he's heading to Rome ultimately to share the gospel in that important city. And then we're going to see him give some instructions to these pastors. And so I want to read the text for us this morning. And as we walk through the text, I want you to take note of this main idea that will frame our time together, not only in the text as we look exactly what's going on there, but also as we think about our own lives, our own church, and how we can take what's going on in this text and apply in our own lives. So this is what I want you to write down, this main idea. A church with godly leaders, a hunger for God's word, and a focus on God's mission can make a tremendous kingdom impact. Godly leaders, a hunger for God's word, and a focus on God's mission. If a church can get those things right, it can have a tremendous impact in culture. And so I want us to look this morning, beginning in verse 17 of Acts chapter 20. This is what Luke records. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see. You would open our ears, that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. As we look at Acts chapter 20, as we see this goodbye from Paul to the pastors, the elders, those overseers that were set over the churches in Ephesus, we're going to see three things take place. I mentioned them earlier. We're going to see Paul reflect on his ministry in Ephesus. We're going to see him anticipate his future ministry endeavors, and then we're going to see him prepare the pastors here in Ephesus for his departure. So let's look at that first one that Paul reflected on his ministry in Ephesus. We see this in verse 17 through verse 21. So look with me there. It says that as he was in Miletus, he had not gone to Ephesus. He had journeyed around there. He didn't want to get trapped in that city knowing that he loved those people that were there, loved the churches that were there. So he calls those pastors to himself. He says, come and let's talk together. Let's celebrate together. Let's look forward to what God is going to do. He called them together. And when they came, I want you to notice what he said to them. As he reminisces about his ministry in Ephesus, he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. He said, I serve the Lord with all humility. Think about that. Paul, who was an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul had incredible authority in the early church. He was one of the brightest, one of the most gifted people who ever served the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the greatest missionary that the church has ever seen. And I want you to notice what he says, though. He says, listen, do you remember when I came to you I didn't come with pomp and circumstance. I didn't come laying the law down saying, do you recognize who I am? It says, I came in humility, that I serve the Lord with humility, and I serve the Lord with tears, and I serve the Lord with trials, and that in this time that I spent with you, I didn't elevate myself above you. I didn't set myself up so that you would serve me. No, I came and I served humbly among you in tears, enduring trials, going through persecution. I walked that road as I ministered to you. He continues on that, and he says in verse 20, 
Notice also, not only with humility did he serve in this city of Ephesus, but he also boldly declared God's word to the people there. He says in verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Paul did not have a fear of man issue. He wasn't primarily concerned about entertaining people or people necessarily liking him. His primary concern in Ephesus and wherever he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ was to boldly declare the word of God without fear, without compromise, to boldly stand on the truth of God's word. And he says to them, reminiscing about his ministry here in Ephesus, don't you remember that I boldly declared God's word to you? I did not shrink back or shrivel up in the face of opposition or in the face of compromise. I didn't do that. I stayed firm on the teaching of God's word. He said, I taught you in public. Meaning in the public declaration, I taught you from God's word boldly. And then from house to house, I taught you God's word boldly. And he says in verse 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said it didn't matter what ethnicity you were. If you were Jewish, I boldly proclaimed the gospel and stood firm on God's word. If you were Gentile, I boldly declared the gospel and stood firm on God's word. Paul in these verses, 17 through 21, is reflecting on his ministry in Ephesus a ministry that was marked by humility as he served, as he loved on the people, as he preached, as he went from house to house proclaiming the gospel, as he endured persecution and trials came up against him. Humbly, Paul carried out his ministry in that city, but also boldly not shrinking back from the opposition, not shrinking back in terms of compromising God's word, but he boldly declared the gospel of Jesus Christ, holding up Jesus Christ as the only means of salvation. So not only does Paul here, as he is interacting with these pastors from Ephesus, reflect on his ministry, he also anticipates his future ministry endeavors. He looks forward to what is to come. Notice verses 22 through verse 25. We're going to see Paul looking ahead. And notice what he says beginning in verse 22. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. Now remember that Paul's time in Asia, in this area, as he's proclaimed the gospel, he's wanted to get back to Jerusalem, and he has gone to churches and encouraged them to give to support their Jewish-turned-Christian brothers and sisters here in Jerusalem. Many of them were destitute because they had lost jobs. They had been ostracized by society there in Jerusalem. And Paul is taking up this offering to take to this church in Jerusalem to help them, to encourage them, and to support them. And he looks and he says, that's where I'm going. But ultimately, he's going to spend just a little bit of time in Jerusalem, if he can make it out alive, and then go to Rome and share the gospel in that important city. But I want you to notice what he says. As I go to Jerusalem, I'm constrained by the Spirit, knowing what will happen to me there. Paul is not unaware of 
the risk that he's taking. In fact, he is sensing his spirit from the Holy Spirit of the Lord that this may not turn out well. In fact, this may be an incredibly difficult time. He's anticipating that in verses 22 and 23. He says, the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city. Listen to this. Every city that he's about to experience and go into that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not necessarily the ministry I would get fired up about, knowing that as I travel into Jerusalem, what's waiting for me there? Afflictions and imprisonment. As Paul is going to go to Rome, he's going to hear, and we see in the next couple of weeks together, that people tell him as they go along, be prepared. You're probably not going to get out of there with your life. And so for Paul, Looking ahead, he knows that this is not going to be an easy journey. He knows that this is not going to be an easy road to walk in faithfulness to the Lord, that imprisonment and afflictions are going to come. Notice his response, though, to that in verse 24. Paul says, but I do not account my life of any value. My life, Paul says, has already been turned over to the Lord. I'm not worried about a life insurance policy. I'm not worried about any of those things. My life has been turned over to the Lord for him to do whatever he desires to do. So I don't count my life of any value, nor do I count it as precious to myself. Here's Paul's goal. Here's his determination. If only I may finish my course. I'm not worried about if it's going to cost me my life. I just want to finish well. Finish the course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. This truly is a goodbye for Paul. He knows that he's not going to see these pastors in Ephesus again. Likely Paul's going to be in prison. Likely Paul's going to lose his life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm okay with that as long as I finish well. So in these verses, we've seen that Paul reflects on his ministry in Ephesus and he anticipates his future ministry endeavors. But what I want us to focus in on and what I want to spend our time of application on in just a little bit is this next section where Paul prepared the Ephesian pastors for his departure. Notice with me, beginning in verse 26, this is what Paul says, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. It's interesting that Paul goes there right off the bat. He says, listen, I have declared to you and stood firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything that goes wrong from this point forward, Any deviation from God's word, any deviation from God's plan and a focus on God's mission, take note that that's not my fault. I've done what God has called me to do. I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So in this, Paul is setting them up in a sense. He's saying, listen, if I hear from the churches in Ephesus that there are problems, there are issues, that they've deviated from God's word, that that the gospel of Jesus Christ has been watered down, he says, that's not my fault. 
I've done exactly what God has called me to do. But notice he gives them a prescription here. He tells them, beginning in verse 28, how to ensure that what he started there doesn't change direction, doesn't change course, doesn't get watered down. Notice verse 28. He says, to these pastors in Ephesus, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Paul looks at these pastors and he says, it starts with you. It starts with your walk with the Lord. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves. Look within and make certain that the gospel of Jesus Christ has formed your heart and is continuing to transform your life as a pastor. Make sure that as you seek to care for the flock that God has given you, that you yourself are walking in godliness. You know, you hear stories of pastors that have fallen away or scandals that arise. And if we, I'm speaking of myself here, will take serious this admonition from Paul that we would make certain that our first focus, our primary objective as a pastor, as a leader in God's church, is that my walk with Jesus Christ serves as a priority for everything that I do in ministry. So to these pastors, he says, look in the mirror first. Make sure that you are walking with Jesus as you seek to make sure your people are walking with Jesus. Godly leadership in the church, godly pastors are essential for a godly, thriving church. Not only that, he continues on, and this is Paul's warning here to these pastors. Make sure you keep watch on yourself and on your people and then he says, I'm warning you because people are going to come in and teach false doctrine. He warns them of this. He warns them of the drift away from God's word to things that are watered down, to things that are not true, to things that are man-made. And he says, you have to be on guard with this. He continues on and Paul says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Think about that language that Paul uses here. Pastors are described as being under shepherds, that Jesus is the chief shepherd, and our responsibility as pastors are to shepherd the flock of God among us, to feed, to lead, and to protect those that God has entrusted to us. And he says to these pastors, you need to be on the lookout because I know that when I leave, wolves are going to come in. They are going not to spare the flock. And from among your own selves, he says, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples to them. Paul's concern for these believers for these pastors is that false teaching is going to seep its way in to these churches in Ephesus. 
And he says, you have to be on guard. You have to know the truth of God's word. You have to be so saturated in it that you're prepared when that comes so that you as a pastor can defend against this false teaching. He continues on in verse 31, therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. But you didn't notice the word Paul just used, the word inheritance. Paul, in encouraging these pastors, wants them to recognize that the mission that God has called them to is more important than anything else. And the mission that God has called their churches to is more important than anything else. They must prioritize the mission. He talks about it in terms of inheritance here. And he's going to challenge these pastors in terms of financially and their people in terms of financially. One easy way to get distracted with the mission that God has called us to fulfill is allow money to become a God in our lives. And so that's what he says here in verse 34, you yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities. So Paul during his time in Ephesus was not supported financially by the church that was there. Even though he argues in other places, there's absolutely nothing wrong with churches paying their pastors. But he says, during my time in Ephesus, I didn't want to give a charge that someone could lob against me to say, he's just here for the money. He says, I worked with my own hands. I provided for myself even as I ministered to you. And he says to them, take note, be certain that the focus of your attention as a pastor and the focus of your church's attention doesn't get diverted from the mission, which it's worth everything to sacrifice for the mission that God has called us to fulfill. So Paul says here, I sacrificed financially and worked with my own hands. I was bivocational and did what I needed to do to support myself as I ministered to you because the mission was so vital. And he says to them, in all things I have shown to you that by working hard in this way, notice his connection here, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In this, Paul is reminding them that this mission is more important than great wealth, that this mission that God has called us to make disciples, he's urging these pastors and these churches in Ephesus to be certain that they don't get distracted by all of the other things that are going on, but that the mission remains the focus of their attention, of their priorities, of their finances, of their time, of their effort, of their energy. The mission is vital. And Paul says to these pastors, don't lose sight of that. Do whatever it takes to remain focused on the mission, both personally and as a church. And in the end, Paul prays with these pastors, and then he leaves by saying goodbye. Let's take a few moments and worship together as we reflect on this text. 
So let's take a few minutes and walk back through the text this morning as we think about some application in our own lives, as we think about our own church, as we've reflected on Paul's ministry here in Ephesus and then his encouragement to these pastors as he is leaving them and walking away. I want us to think through really that third point where Paul is preparing them as he's getting ready to leave and as we think about godly leadership, godly pastors and the role that they serve within the church as we think about false doctrine and and how do we prepare ourselves so that we stand firm on God's word. And then lastly, the mission. How do we keep that as the focus? You know, one of the interesting things that we see in the Bible is the connection in various parts of Scripture. And so as we've been talking about Ephesus, as we've been talking about Paul's ministry there and these churches, if you remember back when we walked through the seven churches series from the book of Revelation, the first few chapters there, what we saw was John, another one of Jesus's disciples, a letter that was written back to the church in Ephesus. And it's so fascinating to me because what we see in that letter as John's writing back is some of the exact same things that Paul had encouraged these pastors to focus in on. And so what I want us to think about is why are godly pastors and godly leaders vital in the life of the church and what role do they serve? So think about that with me for a little bit. When Paul is talking with these pastors, he charges them with ensuring that they are watching over themselves that they are looking in the mirror spiritually and ensuring that they are growing in their walk with Jesus. And that's one of the things that I take very, very seriously. And, And one of the things that is constantly on my mind as one of your pastors is the realization that I can only pour out what's being poured in. So I can only pour out good things if good things are being poured into my life spiritually. Meaning that my personal time with the Lord, my personal walk with the Lord greatly affects everything that happens when I preach, when I lead, when I pray, when I counsel. All of those things are so directly tied to my personal walk with Jesus. And so this for me is such an encouragement. So just kind of peel back the curtain for a little bit and and you can just look at me as one of your pastors and see that this text is so challenging and encouraging to me. Such a great reminder. In fact, as I was working through this text, I envisioned just these words that Paul spoke to these pastors in Ephesus being spoken to me. Just a great reminder for me. Michael, watch yourself. Yes, you've got a lot of responsibilities. There's a lot of things going on in the life of the church. There's a building project and staffing things. There's all that has its hand in what's going on right now. And and as we walk through that, the constant reminder, and this has been a great reminder this week, most importantly, I've got to focus in on my walk with Jesus. Like That has to be the foundation of it all. That me leading North River Church, me being a part of the pastoral team here, is totally contingent on my walk with the Lord. And so for me, that's something that God has just reminded me once again of this week. And then it's reminded me as well 
the role that pastors serve in the life of a church. There's a lot of debate on, on things like that. There's models of ministry where the pastor functions primarily as kind of a CEO, that he's pretty much the businessman that runs things. And, and I don't think that's the picture that the scripture paints. The scriptures paint a picture of a shepherd. And a shepherd had several responsibilities at this point in time in history. One of those was to lead the sheep, to guide them, to direct them, to corral them, to move them in the direction that they needed to go. One of the responsibilities was feeding the sheep, making sure that they were well cared for, that they had the food that was needed for them to continue to grow and to sustain. And then another responsibility of a shepherd was to protect the sheep, to make sure that when wolves or wild animals came in to try to devour the sheep, that they were able to be there to fend them off. And so that's the picture that the Bible paints of the role of a pastor, that yes, we are to lead, but we're not only supposed to lead, we're also supposed to feed, meaning feed people God's word. That's a responsibility that pastors carry. That whether we are singing with Pastor Scott, whether we are spending time in God's Word as we do here, that our focus must be on feeding the people, the sheep that God has given us to lead and to feed, but then also to protect, to ensure that God's Word serves as the foundation, that God's truth is not compromised, that God's Word is not watered down. And so the thing that happens is when one of those things is set aside. The shepherd, the pastor is not doing what God has called him to do. And what we see here is Paul admonishing these pastors. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of what God has called you to do. First, of who God has called you to be as a child of him. And then the role that God has called you to fulfill in his church in his kingdom. And so we see that taking place in Ephesus here. We see these pastors hearing that and living that out. Ultimately, we see that shared in the book of Revelation as the letters written back to the pastor who was there in Ephesus, and he is encouraged. He is built up for doing exactly that. I want you to notice a second question that I think comes as a result of Paul's admonition here to these pastors. Why is false teaching so dangerous? If you notice that, Paul spent a good bit of time warning these pastors that false teaching will come into the church if you're not careful. That people will rise up from within with false ideas of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about, of false ideas of what God's word teaches, compromising things, watering things down. And he says to these pastors, you have got to be on guard. You have got to function as a shepherd. As the wolves come in, you have got to protect the sheep and ensure that false doctrine does not have a foothold in the church at all. You see, because here's the problem. False teaching, false truth is going to destroy a church. It functions as a cancer that spreads throughout the body and the 
role of a pastor is to be a skillful surgeon and to cut that out, to remove it, to not allow it to fester and to grow and to ultimately take over and kill. And so we have to make sure that for us as a church family, for me as your pastor, but for you as well, that we are so saturated in God's word that we are able to discern and see truth from error. That when false ideas come up or when someone says, hey, I think this is okay, or I think the culture may be right and we just need to get with the times, we stand firm on God's word and do not compromise regardless of what is going on around us, but that we ensure that there is no place for false teaching. We will not water down God's word. We will not compromise God's word. We will stand firm on God's word. One of the things that John in Revelation, writing back to this church in Ephesus, says is that that's exactly what they did, that they rooted out false doctrine, that they were diligent to make sure that false teaching could not infiltrate the church and lead people astray. But I want you to notice that John writing back under the inspiration of the Lord does say something to this church in Ephesus. The Lord says, I have one thing to hold against you, that you have walked away from your first love. And as we think about Paul's encouragement to these pastors to make sure that their churches, their people, they themselves are not distracted by all the other things that this world has to offer, but that the mission of God remains primary. That everything about who we are as believers is oriented around the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I think that's a great question to ask. Why is the mission so important? One of the things that is easy to see in any organization, but especially in the church, is for the mission to kind of drift away. For us to be so focused in at times, this is what God's called us to do, even in our own lives as believers, to be on fire for the Lord, but then to begin to drift, then to allow other priorities to take precedence, and to maybe not be as energetic or excited about making disciples anymore. For churches, and I think about this for North River Church, that as we move into this building, that the tendency will be for us just to kind of settle in and to look around and say, wow, this is nice, this is comfortable, this is great. But church, God has called us to a mission. God has called us in this community to make disciples, to impact people for Jesus Christ. That mission cannot be compromised. I don't want the Lord to look at us and have provided all that he's provided in this facility for us to do ministry in and to look back five years from now and say, church, you lost your first love. You lost focus of the mission that I've called you to fulfill. That building was just a tool. It wasn't the purpose. It wasn't the goal. It wasn't the end. The goal is to reach people for Jesus, to see people disciple, to see people walk in obedience to the Lord. That's the mission. Don't let all of these other things distract you from that. And so maybe for you, that's something that, that you need to internalize for yourself. 
I don't want in my life personally or in the life of North River Church to lose our first love, our love for the Lord and the mission that he's called us to fulfill. And so I want to encourage you, as you reflect on those questions, as you think about the answers to those, why it's so important to have godly leaders and the role that they serve as pastors within the church, why false teaching is so dangerous, and why we must keep our eyes focused on the mission. I want you to ask the Lord to search your heart, to strengthen you for the road that God has called us to walk in the days ahead. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this encouragement and this challenge that Paul issued to the elders, the pastors in Ephesus, and has been issued to us here at North River Church as we've studied today. Would you help us to be about the mission that you've called us to fulfill? That we would hear from you that we have remained steadfast, firm on your word. We've not allowed false teaching to come in and distract us and to discourage what you've started here. And ultimately, Lord, that you would be able to look and say to us, you've not lost your first love. The mission is still the focus of everything North River Church is about. May that be what we would hear. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.